0: Hello, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Dropping the Plum Line. My name is Stacey Mueller, and it is January 29th, 2023. And today I'm bringing you a podcast that I'm titling The Two Sides of the Gold Coin, called Consuming Fire. Yes, this coin has a head and it has a tail, and I can just envision Jesus right now flipping this coin up, and then we're all looking to see where it lands. Is it landing on a head or is it landing on the tails? Now, we can watch that coin flip up, and if we don't understand what it means to be a head or a tail, we will have no idea that it's landing on something that's good for us or can be difficult for us, and this is something that God is wanting to bring the church through is he's tossing us up and he is allowing his consuming fire to show us which side of the coin we're landing on. And so I want to go through that in the Old and New Testament, the consuming fire of God. We're going to see a difference and similarity. I'm going to start with Elisha and his story in first Kings chapter 18. And then we're going to use that pattern to see what the spirit of Elisha is saying right now. So the first thing I want to do is go ahead and define the head and tail of this golden coin called consuming fire. And I'm going to go to Deuteronomy 28. In verse one, we're going to start there. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So obeying God's voice is is primary for us to receive the blessings that He has promised us. He goes on to this whole list, and then He. Gives to verse 13 and he says, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. So it sounds like it's a good thing to be the head because he's making this whole list. If you obey there, you'll be blessed, 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 and you'll make you the head. Well, in Isaiah chapter nine, verse 15, it further explains what this head and this tail is. It says the elder and the honorable, he is the head and the prophet who teaches lies, he is the tail. And so now we understand in reading the New Testament, when the Lord says in Colossians one eighteen, and he, Christ, is the head of the body, the church. Ephesians 5.23 says, Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Well, he is most honorable, and he is the one that God has honored because he walked perfectly before him, and all he did was uh, went, a- went along and did the Father's business. He listened, and he obeyed, and he spoke truth and only truth. So we also gain from Isaiah 9:15 that the tails are the lies or the false prophet, the ones that are speaking those lies and saying that this is the truth. And I would say that if Jesus were here today, um, he would flip up the coin when it's concerning the church and sometimes it would land on heads and sometimes it would land on tails. And because God loves us and he doesn't want to keep us in the state that we are because he's coming back for our bride, he wants to deal with some of the lies that we've adopted over the generations that have come into our doctrines and the ways that we believe uh, his word to be true that actually have some truth but some lies to them. I want to give you an example because this is Pretty current, I think, because a new Left Behind movie has just come out, and much of the church has come to believe the doctrine of the rapture theory. Now, this doctrine believes that the church is going to be swept out of here, and all the people that are unbelievers are going to be left behind, and there's going to be complete dis- decay, destruction, and the earth is just going to be completely destroyed and uh yes i want to i want to say that there's some truth in the rapture theory as far as this goes is that when it's time when jesus returns those that are walking in truth and have submitted their hearts to him to this maturing process will be caught up underneath his headship And they will become one with him in his hand, but they will be coming here to the earth with all of his glory to release healing to the nations. And this is one of the reasons why God gave us the Lord's Prayer. He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so God's desire is to bring the heavenly pattern of restoration and redemption, his love story for man mankind and creation and to bring it into the full measure here on the earth. And he chose to do it first through Jesus, our head, but then he also has chosen to do it through a body of Christ, of believers. And so we, have, we need the head and the body working as one so that this restoration process can happen. And you and I who have Jesus in us, his truth is the light that the world actually needs because we are under the sway of the mystery of lawlessness and the father of lies. And even in the body of Christ, we have taken uh, some of the bait and we started believing some of these lies, just like this rapture theory. And what has that done to the body of Christ? Well, having this theory adopted, what it's done is it's given us no vision for what happens past Jesus returning. And so without vision, the people perish. And so we can't see anything. We can't see hope hope that is beyond some of the darkness that is with us right now. And all of God's restoration plan has times of darkness, but he always has a remnant and a solution to bring us back into restoration. And so his plan never ends in death. It always ends in resurrection life. And Jesus was the first to show us that. And he wants to use us to exemplify that as well. Now, I know a lot of mature Christians that have been going along, and the Lord has like kind of pulled them aside and started sharing some of these truths and really starting to step into it and now it's their time to come out of hiding and to really reflect God's truth and and his consuming fire that's in them is coming out through their tongues of fire. This is an awesome and amazing thing because the truth sets everybody free and we get sanctified by the truth you know, God has a timing with which he releases all truth and all things. It wasn't his time to come and bring some of these truths to the church until now, uh, because there was too much wheat that was in the church and he didn't want to disrupt that. And now he's dealing with some of the tears and judgment comes to the house of God first. And that is why the pressure is on. So I know that there's very many people that are christians right now that are going through some fiery trials and they're wondering why are they why are they going through these fiery trials and i could probably conclude that some of the reason why these fiery trials are going on is to one or two things. Uh, One is to learn the long suffering of Christ because that is one of the fruits of the spirit found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The second thing is that um, there's probably some stubbornness in us and some of the lies that we've adopted that God needs to shake out of us And perhaps we didn't listen to his correction the first time or the second time or the third time. Well, he's not done with us because he loves us. His grace is sufficient for our weaknesses. But because of the choices that we've made, we are experiencing some of the consequences that are going to get us down to our knees. And then God is going to resurrect us and redeem the time the enemy has stole and then get us into a place of right alignment with him. So whatever the situation is, it's all good. God's going to turn it around and use it for his good. And the The one thing that is he's definitely doing is he is raising up the truth standard so that we can be those torches of truth. So now that I've given you the definition of the head and the tail of this golden coin, I want to go on to Elisha's story in first Kings 18 and talk about the two sides of God's consuming fire. Now, Elisha was a prophet of the Lord and all prophets are called to speak God's truth. And and really, they are the voice of God. That's really no different than even today when the spirit of prophecy comes on people and those prophets are called to speak. They are just representing God's voice to the people. And it has to line up with his word. Now, Elijah is called to go and speak to King Ahab. King Ahab was actually the king of the ten tribes of Israel who were in covenant with God. But unfortunately, he had married Jezebel, and Jezebel brought in with her all of her idolatry. And so there came voices of the enemy, and this compromise and this mixture came into the camp so that you couldn't even distinguish the voice of God over the voice of the enemy. And what did it produce? It produced 450 false prophets. Now, the word says in Proverbs twenty-nine, twelve, that if if a ruler pays attention to lies, all the servants become wicked. And this was no different in the story that we're about ready to read. So let's start in verse 17. Verse 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Now, isn't this interesting? I have to stop right here because King Ahab, he sees Elisha and Elisha has not said a word to him, but the spirit of truth is upon him. There's an anointing upon him that's making Ahab feel very uncomfortable and he knows that he's in the wrong. And so he's going to use his authority to try to snuff out Elisha's voice, accuse him and bully him. And so that's why he calls him, "O oh, Troubler of Israel. But really, who is the Troubler of Israel? It's really King Ahab. Ahab, who has joined forces with Jezebel and all her idolatry. Verse 18, he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets uh, of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Elijah does not back down and he goes forth for what God has sent him to share his truth." His voice, and to bring this showdown to the table. Verse twenty-one. And Elisha came to all the people and said, "How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him." But the people answered him not a word. Now, isn't this interesting that all the people were looking at the showdown here? Elijah was all alone on one side, and then we have Ahab and all of the prophets of Baal on the other side. Now, I believe that the people had grown accustomed to Ahab's leadership and have actually, at this point, conformed to some of the compromises that had been taking place. But they were afraid, probably also, of what Ahab and Jezebel would do if they went against them and you know we have that same condition that's happening with us now we could fear what's going to happen on the other side if we stand in God alone and stand in his truth against All the opposition that is put in front of us, even in the church. And so we have to know that God is with us in that moment. Verse 22, Then Elijah said to the people, I alone and left a prophet of the Lord, but... Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but no fire underneath it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under it. Then you call in the name of your gods, I'll call in the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, all right, it is well-spoken. And so Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, now you go first, you you put, uh, but make sure you don't put any fire underneath it. So they took the bull, which was given to them, they prepared it, and even till noon, saying, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar, which they had made. And soon it was at noon that Elisha started mocking them and said, hey, maybe you might wanna cry louder, for he is a God. Either he's maybe meditating or maybe he's busy. Maybe he's on a journey or perhaps he's just sleeping and he must be awakened. So they cried aloud and they cut themselves as it was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered and no one paid attention. Then Elisha said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. You know, you and I who are called to speak God's truth, we are called to be repairs of the breach and to restore the ancient pathways of what God has established in his word. And so uh, this is what's happening prophetically when Elijah is doing that. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the numbers of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Verse 32. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench around the altar large enough to hold the two seahs of seed. Seed is actually uh, indicative of the truth, and you and I are called to sow seeds of truth that would bear fruit. Verse 33, and he put the wood in order, cut the bowl in pieces, laid it on the wood and said, "Fill four water pots with water, then pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood." Then he said do it a second time and they did it a second time and then he said do it a third time and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. Water is always a sign of cleansing and baptism. There's three times that he puts this water on there. I do believe that's the three awakenings. Or, you know, when we awaken, when we ask Jesus into our hearts, then there's an awakening and a cleansing through this church age to walk into the maturity of Christ. And there's a third cleansing that's coming up ahead of the abundance of the sound of rain, and it is going to cause our bodies to also get cleansed from death and come into the full measure of God's glory. Hallelujah. And so in verse 36, it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. So hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord "'Fell and it consumed the burnt sacrifice "'and the wood and the stones and the dust "'and it licked up the water that was in the trench.' When Elijah was standing and he was repenting and he was making this sacrifice unto the Lord, there was a cleansing that transpired there. And God took that, that offer and his sacrifice and he came with a consuming fire. And then listen to what happens after that. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. God's consuming fire brought truth to the hearts that cut to the hearts of God's People, and they repented right there. And that was the heart of God. God's heart is always to bring his consuming fire to draw us into God, not away from God. Now, Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let me uh, let any of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Hishon and executed them there. Now they stood in the lies and so God's consuming fire caused them to die. And then Elijah Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. And so there had been a drought and now God is going to restore and and allow God's people to eat and drink from his presence, those that have accepted the God of Israel. And this is awesome. And this is a blueprint and a pattern of what God is doing with us right now. So Elisha's story gives us this template of the two sides of the golden coin called consuming fire. And actually it was those that had the fear of the Lord that came into a cleansing and a baptism of fire of his spirit of truth. And they were set free. And it really is the fear of the Lord. And I think that God is bringing us into a place to fear his name, to fear who he is, in a reverential way. It's almost like what God says about the bondservants. And the bondservants of Christ are those that know that the debt has been paid for the slavery of sin, and yet they choose to stay with the master and to work for him out of obedience because they want to stay close to the master. They enjoy his presence. They enjoy working with him. And there's a reward for those who diligently seek him. Psalm 25, 14 says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. And so when we stay close to God, we reverence him. We want to sit in his presence. Now all of a sudden we understand his, his fiery law, his consuming fire and his heart to restore all things. Matthew 17, 11 says, Elijah is coming and he will restore. All things, and this is the spirit of Elisha. And Elijah, remember, was the the voice of truth, and allowing God's pyre, uh, fire to be released because he spoke truth, and God consumed those that were around to hear that truth, and they were in him or they were outside of him. Hallelujah. Psalm one ten ten says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and a good understanding have all those who do his commandments, his praise endures forever. And we know that today, as the Holy Spirit has been given to us, and the fiery law is written on our hearts, and actually, that comes from Deuteronomy 33, 2, when the Lord came at Mount Sinai with thunder and lightning and power, and the voice of God came through the fire, and then he gave them the 10 commandments written by his finger. And it says that was this fiery law for them. So God even explains his word that he wrote with his finger as a fiery law. Why? Because he had a plan to bring that fire within our temples and allow that truth, those that worship him in spirit and truth, to go forth and be tongues of fire to set the captives free. And this is who God's raising up in this day so that the glory. The glory of the Lord can be seen all over the earth. Hebrews 12, 29 says that our God is a consuming fire. And, you know, we can enjoy fires in our house and they keep us warm uh, in the winter time, and and we can be comforted by them. And honestly, it can soothe our soul as well. But you know, when you see a forest fire that's out there and it's burning and and bringing forth destruction, um, yet we at first think, oh my goodness, you know the the trees were devastated, and you know there's so much destruction in the wake. And then afterwards, after the fire's been put out, um, you see just you know. Black and, and 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 there's just no life, right? But then afterwards, then comes new life. New trees form, and actually, this is a healthy thing for the forest fires, where there are some trees that are burned down to bring to continue bringing life into the forest. And 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 so I just find this concept amazing because we only think of fire usually as a negative thing, like the lake of fire, and yet. Every time that God brings a consuming fire, it's always for a good purpose. It is to bring us back to Him. It is to bring us into a a restoration of seeing Him face to face. You know, Moses was able to see God face to face. He had to put a veil over Him because the people of God had hardened their hearts. They couldn't handle the glory of God. And you know, God brought Jesus to open up that veil and so that we can step into seeing him face to face. And yet there still is a veil over our bodies right now to contain the glory because so many wouldn't be able to handle all the glory that's in our temple. And God wants to bring the Jesus in us and reveal His glory to the world. But He needs some temples that can contain it, that can house His glory. And this is one of the reasons why we've been going through some fiery trials. It's been consuming our flesh, the things that are outside of God's nature. And those that say yes to that, He's shaking everything that's not a Him, so that we can be unshakable, we can be steadfast, immovable, and see, the salvation of God working even through us, his bondservants. Hallelujah. Haggai 2, 6 through 9 says, For thus said the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and they shall come to des- the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. What is the byproduct of us going through the process of God's consuming fire so that everything that is a shaking, that is not a Him can re- be removed? We receive the shalom peace. It doesn't matter what's transpiring in the world because what's been, tra- the divine exchange is him, the Lord shalom peace. Hallelujah. And his government will rest upon our shoulders as well because we see through his lens and his authority, and we know that the time is short now, that the enemy is coming underneath our feet, and we will rise up and go forward to heal the nations. Matthew 17, 11 says, Elijah is coming. He will restore all things. That is the heart of God, to restore all all things. And he wants to do it through a people called you and I, hallelujah, who love him. You know, Jesus, the Christ, we always say Jesus Christ, but it's Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the one that lit us up with his truth by sending the baptism of the Holy Spirit of fire. Hallelujah. You know, uh, John the Baptist, it starts off in the New Testament. He was the one that God appointed to be the one uh, given tongues of fire in the midst of darkness to say, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And it says in Luke three sixteen and 17, that indeed, he says, John the Baptist, I indeed baptize you with fire, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap... I'm not worthy to lose. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the shaft he will burn with an unquenchable fire. Here we see the two sides of the golden coin of consuming fire. He's sending the fire to fill our temples, and then everything in our flesh that is not of him, he's going to burn with his unquenchable fire. You know, the church has both the wheat and the tares, like I was saying before, and God's going after those tares in us as believers. Why? Because he needs to join us, fitly joint together underneath his headship so that we can become one in his hand. The word fire means pour, and it means fire and lightning. Hallelujah. Luke 12, 45 says, I came to send fire on the earth, and how how I wish it was was already kindled. You know, Jesus said that because he wanted to see this fire start spreading and the kingdom of God to go to the ends of the earth, and that is why he released his disciples with his equipment, the Holy Spirit, to be empowered to go forth and share his truth. And so Christ brings that truth to dispel the lies that are all over now the mystery of lawlessness that has consumed our world, and you and I are called to to dispel the lies, and much more so now in this day. In Acts chapter nine, when the church had started to birth and Saul had got converted uh, to Paul, it says in verse 31, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and they were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So if you and I are called to be this, we know that we are a product of them going out with the spirit of fire, the truth that set the captives free. And yet, look at the body of Christ right now. Do you see them walking in that peace, that shalom peace that surpasses all understanding, guarding their mind and their heart, that their temple is not divided, their spirit saying one thing, their, their soul is just filled of anxiety and fear. This should not be so. We should not be a temple divided. We should come into a plumb line of His spirit of truth and that our soul lines up with it and our body as well so that we're preserved blameless at his coming. This is the direction that the Holy Spirit is taking us to be in a oneness with him. And we can do that as we sit in his presence and be consumed with his presence and enjoy the shalom peace. And that can only happen if we have his fiery law, the truth of God, marinating in our soul so that our soul says yes to the truth and we walk away from the lies of the enemy. The apostle Peter he gave us some great encouragement. He's actually one of my favorite disciples. I love it because it just it seems like he just was able to express the understanding of these fiery trials that God allows us to go through so that Christ can be revealed in us. And he encourages us in first Peter one, six and seven. I want to read that to you. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by trials that the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ so many of us are going through some long suffering which is the fruit of the spirit praise God that we are coming into a greater revelation of Jesus Christ as we continue through our fiery trial this This is where God is taking us. Psalm 112, 1 says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments and his commandments are good. God says to us that we are called to love him with all of our heart and love our neighbors as ourselves. And so the Lord is trying to give a full revelation, the width and the depth and the length and the height to know the love of God, which passes all knowledge and understanding. And so that we can be used by him in the day that we need to be love and not fear. Perfect love casts out fear. We've got so much fear that's around us and we need to uh, go in the opposite spirit. John 156 says, "If anyone does not abide in me, he 's cast out as a branch and he's withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. This is talking to you and I. He wants us to stand steadfast in his love and not retreat in fear, and so everything that is not of him, he is going to allow go to go through his consuming fire. Now I want to share and tie back the story of elisha because the uh, disciples actually were in uh, the presence of Jesus when he was responding to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were condemning him and giving him a hard time. And when the disciples, James and John saw this, I'm in Luke 9, 54, 55, they said, Lord, Do you want us to command fire, to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elisha did? But he turned and he rebuked them and said, "'You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Why did he say that to them? Because in the Old Testament, the judgment came and it killed those that were not in alignment with the spirit of truth. But God's heart for us today as New Testament believers is to do what the Lord says in his prayer, forgive them. He does. They do not know what they're doing. And then they, he prayed and he interceded that all would come to the knowledge of who Yeshua, the great. God is. And so you and I have to have this heart posture to forgive them. They don't know what they're doing coming against you right now. I always put someone that's really, really deep and dark and, you know, exemplifies just hatred and bitterness toward God before mine. I say to my heart, heart, are you able to pray for that person? Can you lift them up to the Lord and ask for God's consuming fire to touch that individual so they can come into the Spirit of truth, because that's the heart of an overcomer, one that has the heart of forgiveness and does what Jesus did when he was up on the cross and why he allowed the flesh to die on that cross so that God's consuming fire could be released in the earth and all could be saved and all could come into the knowledge of who he is. You know, I have the fear of the Lord when I see a religious spirit working even today because religious people they really believe they're standing in truth and they're pointing the fingers and they're condemning everybody that they see is not living up to the word. And, you know, they point the fingers and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were doing that. And yet their heart was so far from God. And I really get down on my knees all the time and say, Lord, forgive me if I'm judging unrighteously, if I am pointing fingers and I've not looked at myself, if I am actually not having your heart for the the people that I'm seeing are coming against me and they, they're persecuting me or I'm seeing people that are doing evil. I've got to have your heart. This is what God is, is looking for us in each one of us. John 8, was uh, a scripture that I hold on to dearly because Jesus was confronting the religious spirit and the Pharisees that were thinking that they were looking the part of God. They were, they were even reading his word and they were, they were, had all the credentials. And yet what does Jesus say to them? You are your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he speaks, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. You know, it is not God's desire for us to just see his finger go down and and just burn everybody around that does not know Jesus and that are hurting and causing chaos right now in the world. It's his desire to use us as a standard to speak his truth and allow the the destruction and the lies to be dispelled so that people stop in their tracks and they come into the goodness of God and they're saved. Revelation 19 15 says, now out of his mouth, this is Jesus when he returns, goes a sharp sword Sword, that which he will strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. Jesus is not coming with a, 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 AR 15. He's coming with the word of God, the fiery law and the spirit of truth to consume everything that is outside of him. The father of lies, the mystery of lawlessness and everything that oppose being one with the father. And so his creation and man can wrap can rest in the knowledge of who he is. We are going into a greater increase of rest, and God wants to use you and I to be the signposts. And that only can happen when we spend time in his presence, allowing his glory to fill us, get to know shalom, peace. And he is the Jehovah Shalom, the one who gives us his peace, the Prince of Peace. Government is upon his shoulders, and we cannot even understand what that means unless we come underneath his headship and walk and abide in his truth. Matthew chapter 5 is a wonderful chapter about the Beatitudes on how we can come into this oneness with our wonderful Savior and to understand really the heart of God's law. And in the end, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it because everything hangs on the, the Moses and the prophets. Moses is like standing as the law and the prophets is the spirit of Elijah, and he's coming to fulfill it. And how is he doing it? He is the word, and he's releasing the spirit of truth in us so that we can come into this oneness with our amazing Savior. First John 5, 6 and 7 says that he came by water and blood Jesus Christ, not only by water, there's that water again, and the the temple that or the pattern that we saw with Elijah, how he doused the offering with water. Um, because water and blood was spilled out of his side, but by water and blood, and it is the spirit who bears witness, because the spirit is truth, for there are three that bear witness in heaven: the Father, the Word, the fiery law, and the holy spirit of fire and these three are one, and these three bear witness on earth: the spirit of truth, the the water and that cleanses us, and the blood of Yeshua that brings us. This, us into his consuming fire, and these three agree as one. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 15, it talks about the master builder, and he's building us together as this wonderful temple in his hands. Yet he says, now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work, which he has is built on endures, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he's going to suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so through fire. And so, you know, God is going to judge everything according to his fiery law. Praise God, Jesus had paid the debt. So we don't have to incur the debt of the death uh, penalty like we read in Elijah's story, but we will be accountable to the things that we choose. They go outside. of his truth and outside of his commandment. And what is that uh, consequence? Well, the Lord allows us to go through some fiery trials to allow our flesh to come into the knowledge of his truth if you lasted this long in this podcast, you are just probably going, gosh, she just keeps beating the same drum over and over. And I just feel like it's the heartbeat of God trying to get us ready for what's up ahead. And it's like, you know, is the bride ready. The two need to become one flesh. And I I don't know, I just keep seeing this word, Dr. Doctrine, uh, who is in the middle between him, Jesus and his bride. And what is his middle name? The traditions of men. And what is his last Name? Well, you can um, say denomination, um, Catholic, Baptist, uh, Jewish, uh, any religion. Let's just put it out there Um, because somehow these traditions of men and the lies that come that are attached to them have caused us to listen to the voice of men or, you know, the lies of the enemy that is cloaked in truth. And it's caused us to be impotent and to not be able to listen to the voice of the shepherd, to follow his voice, to allow. his voice to lead us and that the spirit of fire would come out of our voice to set the captives free. And so I saw this vision about a year ago when I went to visit a church and it was um, everyone so excited and calling on the name of the Lord and everyone in the church wants revival. They want this great awakening and we're all seeking it with all of our heart. And yet what I saw was this picture of this golden birdcage and the door was open, but the birds were in. Inside that cage, and they were just chirping, chirping, chirping away, and they're crying out to God to come and to feed them and to fill them. And so God answers their prayer, and He comes into that cage with this amazing, consuming fire of His glory. And all the birds stop chirping, and they all stop just resting, and they're just basking in His presence. They're getting fed, and they're and they're getting their drink. And then all of a sudden, God's presence picks up, and He goes out of that cage and he turns around and he says to them, follow me. And yet the birds, they sit and they look at him leaving the cage and they, and they sit and they don't go out the door and they just start chirping and they say, come feed me here, feed me here. We need you to come back, come back to us, stay, you know, stay with us. And the Lord saying, no, I want to take you from this place and I want you to follow my consuming fire and my glory because I'm taking you from where it was comfortable in the past, and I'm bringing you to a new freedom that's up ahead. Will you follow my voice? Will you walk away from the traditions of men and the things that you have been comfortable with that have been mixed with some lies cloaked in a huge covering of truth? And I'm picking it apart right now, and I'm wanting you to come out of those things that I'm not in so that I can fill your temple with more of my glory, and then I can use you outside of the temple that's made of hands to call people in like John the Baptist repent for the kingdom of God is at hand and what came on the other side Jesus the savior came on the scene hallelujah and the father came and he parted the the skies and his voice was there this is my son in whom I'm love and he baptized him and all of the world was shifted from that moment and he wants to baptize you and I with that same amazing cleansing and that same fire that goes forth and sets the nations ablaze and the restoration of all the nations will come out of you and I in him. The world does not want to see another church, another denomination, another platform. The the world does not want to see any of that. They want to see Jesus in us. So I bless you to go through the fiery trials right now that God has you in, to allow his consuming fire, to take those things that are not of Him off, so that you can come into this abiding peace, shalom peace with the fear of the Lord. And in that place, we are going to set the nations afire. God bless you.